biohacking, performance, mastery, mindset. This is a show about getting better every single day. The Hack Life with Joel Levin. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, guys. I am super excited to bring this week's guest. You know, the last couple of episodes, I haven't done any intro for guests, and I've just been playing with some different things. And, you know, give me some feedback. Let me know what you like. Do you like me doing a little pre-roll pre about what the guest is and who they are? Or do you not care? Do you want to just get right into the episode? Let me know. Uh, I'm always trying new diff different things and trying to iterate and pivot off of what the people want. Um, but I want to do a little pre-roll on this one because the way this interview starts is actually my guest today is Kim Nickel. She is a leadership and mindfulness coach, but she's just she's so much more than that. And I'm going to let the episode speak for itself so you guys can get to learn about her. But what I wanted to just intro for this episode is that like many times with my guests, before, before we actually get on and before we actually start talking about what we're going to talk about and get into things, we usually just have this amazing, candid conversation about what else is going on in their life. And just like normal, that's what happened on this show, this episode. I started asking Kim a question about a, a book that she wrote, and I thought it was really interesting. And I was like, hey, what um, – What's up with this book that you wrote? I noticed like you took out all the pronouns and replaced it. So that's kind of how the show starts. It doesn't start off with like this an amazing intro about the guest. You get that later. So what we end up talking about in the beginning is about this book that she wrote. And it was all getting recorded. And I wanted to keep it because it's really some good material. And so you hear a lot of that. And then we jump into the show. So tune in. Listen up. I won't waste any more time. And enjoy. This is a good one. You have that book where you just replaced all the pronouns? Yes. Tell me about that. I'm like, I was like, what, sh what shall I say? So it, it's a book that was written over 100 years ago. And it was one of the very, like, you know, looking back, it's considered one of the very first manifestation uh, metaphysical books. And I had, it had been recommended to me. I was, really resistant to reading it because it just has a, like a very blunt title. And a lot of the cover art I was seeing was, you know, here's a pile of money. Here are gold bars of money. Yeah, so yeah, also yeah. the visual presentation of the book was also very blunt in a way that I had, I had to get over in order to read it. And as I was reading it, I thought, oh, this is actually, there's some really good stuff in here. But also because it was written in 1910, the default pronouns were all male or all he and him and yeah. his and man and man and man and so I noticed that I had been kind of translating it to include you know female-bodied humans also yeah and I thought you know it'd be really funny it would be really interesting to just switch all the pronouns because it, it's in the public domain it, there was no copyright on it what would happen if I did that and I realized, oh, I could actually do that. Yeah. It would take some work, but it would not. Like, there's no reason I couldn't. Right. And so I did, and it just really delighted me. And I thought, I want to <laughs> put flowers on the cover. I want it to be pretty. I want it to, to feel really inviting for female humans. And so I did. And part of what was interesting is that there was then some content in it that when you flip the pronouns, it actually felt very confronting. Mm. Like, it, you know, for example, it would say, 
the you know the the most important thing is that you are wealthy so that you can make much of yourself, something like that. Yeah. And it made me realize that, oh, that's not the message that women people get. Very often the message that women people get is, oh, the mo like the highest calling of a female human is to bear and raise children. <laughs> and the right. idea of like a woman human being money focused, like that's bad. Yeah. You know, there's like all kinds of bad words about girls who are focused on money. And, and I just realized, oh, we have all of this, these different gender expectations and stories about what it means to be a female human compared to a male human and how females and males relate to money and yeah. how throughout history there have been different rules about who can inherit money, who can have money, who can dispose of money, who can have a job to earn money, like all of these different things that were wrapped up in that. So I flipped the pronouns just for fun and put flowers on the cover, you know, to make, I'm like, that for me is what wealth and richness is like, like, you know, beauty, flowers. Yeah. And so I just, I did that. I love that because <laughs> what some of the things you said that, that struck me was just the fact, like how we label ourselves. And I think when you label yourself, you give yourself like, this is my identity. Mm -hmm. And just by changing like the pronouns, like you did, it's like, oh, well, Maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not these things. You really, you know, people's beliefs can be, and we don't even know where it's like, where did that belief come from? And you're like, I don't know. I just, that's what we've been told over time, over time, over time. And so that's what we believe in. Mm -hmm. And so by you doing something just simple, like changing a pronoun, yeah. you're breaking so many rules. And yeah. I, and I love that. Inviting new possibilities. Yes. Um, as usual, uh, anytime we, anytime I start a podcast, I always go out of order because I just start chatting with the guests. And um, so we were just talking beforehand just about this book, but I want to actually introduce you, uh, Joel from The Hack Life. And I'm here with Kim Nicole, who creates a space for humans to slow down, reconnect, and grow mindfully. She's brought meditation, mindfulness to fast-growing tech startups, hacker houses, attorneys, Fortune 500 executives. Kim's a former lawyer who has a practical approach and calming presence that have made her a favorite among analytical thinkers. Kim, I want to jump right into it and I, I want to get into the nitty gritty. You were a lawyer. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I completely forgot about that, that you were actually a lawyer and now you're a mindfulness teacher. Like, yeah. how did that happen? <laughs> well, First, you know, lawyers are humans before they're lawyers. <laughs> I'm glad you made that <laughs> distinction because I've met tons of lawyers, and uh, I'll let you, I'll let yeah. you uh, <laughs> take I mean, that belief away. There are a few pieces of that, and one is the thing that made me very interested in the law is that the law is the story of human conflict. How do humans? deal with conflict, whether it's in a business or whether it's in their family or whether it's between strangers on a street. It's all the ways that we try to resolve conflict. And so the stories, the stories is what became so fascinating to me. And one of the things that I found as I was moving through my career, it, it was not like, I'm a lawyer. No, I'm not. I'm going to be a mindfulness person. It was a very kind of circuitous unfolding of life and experience that brought me from one place to another place. I would, I guess I would say that I reached a place where I realized, oh, this thing that I wanted, that I achieved, becoming a lawyer, 
I had a moment of realizing, I think this is not what I want anymore. I think I want something different. And there was a moment of, is that is that okay? Like, can I? And the answer that came to me was yes. You can want other things. You can want other experiences. You can want your work to be different than what it is now. And so one step at a time, I started to explore and ended up doing and being what and who I am now. What was the, what was the process like? I mean, you know, you're, you're a lawyer, and like you said, you get this degree, and I'm sure there's just, like, what was the conversation in your head? I imagine, <laughs> like, were your parents telling you anything, like, what are you doing, Kim? You're throwing your life away. You could make $300,000 a year, and you want to be a mindfulness teacher. Like, what? Yeah, I, it was in stages. So one of the first stages is when you're in law school, and I think this is true of any time you have an all-encompassing goal, your whole focus is on, I just have to reach this goal. Mm -hmm. And so for me, at first it was finishing law school, then it was passing the bar exam. And once I passed through those gates, then I kind of looked up and thought, okay, <laughs> so now what am I gonna do? I got, you know, I got there, what do, I, what do I do? And as I was going through law school, I learned a lot more about myself as a person. Yeah. And I also learned a lot more about the legal profession. You know, I had I I worked in a in judges chambers. I was an extern for a federal district court judge, so I got to be in chambers and I got to watch oral argument and I got to read the briefs and help to advise, you know, drop the opinions about how how should this go. So I got to be on the inside part of it. I also worked one summer for the public defender's office, and so I got a very different perspective and a different relationship to the criminal justice system and yeah so I was learning more about what like what does it mean to be in the profession of being a lawyer and by the time I finished I had learned more about the practice of law and more about myself to feel huh I don't know if this is gonna work as well as I thought it was because one thing I learned about myself is that I tend to be a pretty sensitive <laughs> you can't be a lawyer and, being sensitive and, and collaborative <laughs> person and I was not seeing modeled how to do that or be that successfully in the legal profession I was seeing a lot of people armoring up yeah um, and part of the job like part of what makes lawyers good is that they have the ability to do that to really cloak their personal emotions to really advocate to really put their client first and to have this perspective that as a friend of mine put it, being a lawyer is like being a professional pessimist. Wow. Because the job is to look for all the possible things that might go wrong and then find a path through that. So I had the realization of, I think I could be really good at this job, but it would require that I cultivate aspects of my personality that I don't know that I want. Yeah. So the first shift was I, I went from, okay, I'm not going to practice law, but I'll work adjacent to it. And that was in a publishing company. And mm. we published books and content for lawyers and judges. And I was a very happy corporate person for a while. <laughs> and then? And then. I mean, the nice thing about the corporate was that it gave me structure, it gave me stability, it gave me community. Yeah. and 
outside of the realm of my nine to five, I was starting to take all these classes. I was taking dance classes and yoga and acro classes and uh, body work classes. I, and start, I started teaching fitness classes on the side. You know, one, I remember Saturday mornings at 24 hour fitness for three years, I had this one class that I taught in the mornings. So there was a lot of room for me to explore and grow all of these other interests. And oh, there were, a f yeah, there were a, f a series of things that happened over the course of maybe a year or two that brought me to a place where I realized, oh, it's time for something new. Like mm. it's, it's time to change. So many things you said, uh, you know, as a police officer, I can totally relate to a lot of the, the things you said, like that cloak, like having to armor up. Um, I feel that way many times, you know, and it's like I have to for survival. And it's counterintuitive to like who I actually need to be. And what I mean by that is like as a dad, as a father. So for you, it's interesting going through the, the process of a lawyer. You said, you know, I learned a lot about myself I feel like for me, that has happened as being a father. So <laughs> I would, if you were to ask me before, I, you know, prior to being a dad, I took all these, like, I'm a big just learner. So Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, any sem seminar you can go to, Landmark. I'm always constantly learning and trying to improve and make myself better. Out of all of that, I think my kids and marriage have taught me the most about who I am and what I'm capable of. So I find that just fascinating. Like that was your, that was how you learned, you know, who you really are. Like who am I and what do I really want? Yeah, it, it's relationships. It's engaging with the world. It's experiencing new things. There are all of these little points of contact where you realize, oh, this feels resonant. This feels good. Or, oh, huh, this is interesting. Not quite sure how I feel about this. But all of that is is you know, part of being alive and part of being a human. And I think what's cool is that when we start paying attention to that and we start noticing, that's where so much value and so much insight is. So so how did you finally how did you finally break free? Like what what was the day where you're like, that's it, I'm done. I am now a mindfulness teacher. Or was there a day that you remember where you're <laughs> like, holy cow, like this is who I am. Yeah. I remember there was a day when I was on a conference call at work. I was in a high-rise downtown San Francisco, and it was a conference call that was for a project that was going to create a lot of other work for me and for my team, but it was not a project I felt excited about. And I remember sitting there. There were probably 15 people on the call, and so I was, due, I was sitting at my desk, you know, listening to this phone call, w doing my email while I was eating lunch. It was like a very non-mindful <laughs> moment. And I remember thinking, gosh, this call is such a waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> but then the, the voice that I heard on the inside of myself said, Kim, this is your life. And all of a sudden, what I realized was, oh, I am giving my life to something that doesn't matter to me. Wow. 
And all of a sudden, I felt this wave of emotion, and I like had to put the phone on mute, and I felt tears come down my face mm. because I realized I was just going through the motions. And I thought, life is too short, and it's too valuable to just give away without caring that you're giving it. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, first it was, oh, oh, this this awareness of that's not okay anymore. I don't want to live like that. I don't just want to go through the motions and give my life. And and then the other voice that came in was, well, you're the one who wakes up in the morning and chooses to come to this job. So right. if you want something to be different, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to decide that. And the question of what does that even mean? What does that look like? If I if I decide that now I want to live my life as though it really mattered to me, like what does that mean? And I spent probably six months chewing on that question, trying to figure out, like, what does that mean? Maybe I just find another job in this company. Maybe yeah. I find another job at another company. And I remember I w started interviewing at this other place, and we, it was six rounds of interviews, and Jesus. I thought, this is it. Like, I'm going to jump ship here. I'll land someplace new. I'll start this new chapter. And I didn't get an offer. And I remember thinking, no, wait, that can't be right, because I'm supposed to leave. Right. Right? Like, I'm not supposed to be here anymore. And then the conversation that I had in, heard in my head was, how important is this to you? Is this something that you have to have clear answers and you have to have a nice, neat roadmap? Or is this something that you're willing to step into the unknown for? And Holy cow. Right? And I just thought, oh, I thought this is so important that I'm willing to step into the unknown and trust that I and the world, like we will figure this out together because it feels like I need to go. I need, mm. like it is time to leave. Do you, do you believe, you know, we were talking a little bit offline. Do you believe in like manifestation and um, like alignment? I've been reading a lot of books on that mm -hmm. recently and I'm really starting to embody and just feel like this whole idea of alignment. And it's like, almost like if uh, I've heard some influencers say, like, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of idea of like, if it doesn't align with me and like who I am at my core, you know, that kind of like that idea of energy and resonance. Do you believe in that or? I love the word alignment. Although I also think it's really tricky when we're trying to discern between hell yes and no, because a lot mm. of us are not really well calibrated to start like we've been we've spent so many much of our life aligning to the expectations of others yes. or aligning to the idea of who we think we're supposed to be so there can be this internal recalibration that has to happen especially when you're choosing something that feels like the ground has now fallen under your feet and you're feeling very disoriented you're yeah. trying to find a new inner compass of wow like what is it that i steer my life by now and the other thing I've noticed, too, especially since I've moved into the world of coaching and teaching and learning and development, is that we often, it's very easy to mistake our, like, where we are for who we are. So people will say, oh, well, I, you know, it would be inauthentic of me to do X, Y, and Z. And what yeah. they're really saying is, that is unfamiliar to me. I have never done that before. 
So that's not where I am. But who you are is always bigger and beyond where you are in any given moment. So I think that the idea of alignment, absolutely yes. And there are a lot of different ways to experience it, talk about it, and apply that. We're always aligning to something. But our, yeah. our internal sense of true north can absolutely evolve and change as we get rid of clutter, as we move towards new goals, as we kind of begin to reach into new parts of who we are. And then to your question yeah. about manifestation, I really like manifestation as a word that describes a creative relationship. The way that we create our lives, our jobs, our relationships, like whatever it is that we are creating through the way we live our life. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting that. I'm like receiving everything you're telling me. I'm like, holy cow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Not just like this woo-woo sense of like, oh, well, let me manifest this because I'm going to think about it and therefore, poof, it's going to happen. Yeah. No, you're saying, hey, by the way we're aligning and like who we're being like creates all these other things. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes there is a woo-woo poof part to it, which is which is wild and it's always fun when <laughs> the universe turns out like that. Yeah. But it's, it's such a you – know, we are – to be alive is such a, a dynamic state, and each human person has this incredibly dynamic aliveness in them and lives within a very dynamic, responsive system. So I feel like the word manifestation includes the awareness of there are all these other moving parts that we are pinging across and that are moving towards us, and so... The idea of manifestation is we can have some responsibility in how we choose to create and invoke. And sometimes it will be a poof that feels like magic, yeah. especially for people that are watching you do your life. They'll say, like, oh, my gosh, you just went poof. And first you were a lawyer. Now you're a mindfulness teacher. <laughs> how did you manifest that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, it probably looks like a poof from out there. <laughs> but inside there are a few more a few more pieces. But it took a ton of hard work. I mean, it took a ton of, I would say, hard awareness, really being honest with myself, with what I wanted. Yeah. Being able to look at the fear and say, okay, like, like I'm still willing to move forward even though. Um, being willing to be gentle Right, you've taken some of my meditation classes. You know my style is really yeah. gentle, so it, it's not always, you know, hard work doesn't always mean trying to muscle through something. Sometimes the hardest thing is to soften, to let down your guard, to let down the feeling that oh, I have to know exactly what I'm doing, and to soften into the unknowing. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. Yeah, I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, I saw a, I saw a post of yours the other day, and it struck a chord with me, man. It it said, "You have permission to leave your job. You have permission to not be right. You have permission to be in fear." It might have even said, and maybe I'm making this up. You have permission to not be successful. And 
God, that just struck me. It just, it made me, it made me reflect for one, it, but it just like stopped me in my tracks. I was staring at that post for a while and I was like, wow. Because I think for most of us, so many of us are on this rat race, on this course, like you said earlier about, I'm going to go to law school and then I'm going to get my degree. Then I'm going to go to the bar. Then I'm going to be a big successful lawyer and so on and so forth. And just reading that post, I mean, it just, I just like almost just dissolved, right? Just like, like it was heavy, (laughs) you know, it was like, (laughs) it was like, I was heavy is what I mean. Like I'm heavy carrying all this load around me. And then reading that, I'm like, oh my God. Like, (sighs) so thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I wanted to ask also what 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 type of mindfulness do you practice or was there is there is there a certain style um I will say for me so much of my practice has been informed by things that do not wear the mindfulness label and I, mindfulness is a word I I learned much later in life and when, then when I learned the word I thought oh there are a lot of things that have been that for me. So I think of mindfulness as bringing your attention into the present moment with curiosity and kindness. And curiosity is every human is born with that. You have little kids, you know this, you see this, you see their curiosity. They're like, what is that? What is that? Can I touch it? Can I put it in my mouth? Like they have, they're just so curious to understand and explore the world. There's no fear about, I don't know what it is. There's no fear about, like, are people going to see me do it wrong? There's just this open curiosity without the pressure to make it into anything. And the kindness part is what keeps that curiosity really warm and friendly. Because curiosity without kindness can feel very pushy. You know, I tell my my lawyers it can feel like a deposition, <laughs> you know, or an interrogation. Oh. You're just trying to drill <laughs> in. It's like relax, no curiosity, but with kindness to keep it really friendly, and that's what allows us to bring our attention into the present moment in a mindful way. So for me, one yeah. of the first experiences I had of that state was in sports. Right, like as I, w- I was a rower when I was in college, and the experience of you're just going to bring your attention right into this one moment, and you're going to let everything else fall away, and you're going to find that present, present moment awareness. Oh, that's what I did on the water when I was rowing. I've talked with people, and for them, it's it's when they're drawing, or when they're cooking, or when they're mm-hmm. playing with their kid, or they take their dog for a walk, and they realize, oh, I'm just so in this moment. And it's not like a formal mindfulness thing, but it gets me into that place. So when I teach, I always want to teach from this place of of practicalness. I want this to be practical and relatable. It doesn't have to be presented as this distant, esoteric thing that you have to you know, sit in a certain way or be a certain way. There are already ways in your life that you experience it. And now it's about... How can we bring more of it? Or how can you be more intentional about it? How can you use that in ways that help you in the course of regular life? I really like this idea of of integrating mindfulness into your life rather than having it be a separate, distant thing. 
Amazing. Okay. <laughs> tell me how we integrate it. Cause that was one of the questions on my mind. I was going to tell you, Hey, you know me. Uh, I'm just, I'm busy, 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 busy. I yeah. love mindfulness training. When I do it, I'm like, this was great. I should do it. I even have an app called Headspace that I try to like keep me on, like uh-huh. on pace. Right. So, you know, it tracks what I'm doing. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah you feel a little dopamine rush. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm 10, I'm 10. Uh, I got 10 sessions in a row, whatever. And I absolutely do love it. Uh, and actually, I was pretty good about mindfulness training um, prior to my second child. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, what would happen is I would get up early in the morning before everybody else got up, and I would at least do 10, 15, 20 minutes just by myself on the app, and then I'd start my day. Mm-hmm. And now I just feel like that time is gone. I don't know where it is. And then when I think about doing it, I, I look at the app, I look at the phone, and I go, I don't have time for this. Yeah. So how do we how do we integrate it? Well, you are now in the master class of mindfulness because you have two children. <laughs> <laughs> and children are the master teachers in part because not only are they always in the moment, they kind of haven't built up the capacity for long-term planning or carrying regret. They're just they're they're so in the moment. So they can really model for us what that looks like. But <laughs> They, children wow. will also challenge every idea you have about your spiritual <laughs> advancement. Yes. yes. And I say this, I am not a parent, but I do have two nephews. And I was, I had, I was doing some, uh, I was chi- child caring, babysitting for them. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I am an adult <laughs> woman. <laughs> I have an education. I go into companies all the time, and I coach, and I train, and I teach. Why can I not get this kid out of pajamas and into regular clothes? <laughs> like, how? Like, why is this hard? <laughs> you know. And it was really humbling. It was so humbling because there's no. I mean, on the one hand, children are so direct but they also very quickly learn how to become master manipulators yeah. and how to get what they want because they're so they're so raw, they're so human. So my first thought is give yourself some credit because if you're parenting, you're in advanced mindfulness school. Yeah. <laughs> Just being a parent. And there's this practice, the way I want to explain it is this. If in the moment you can notice, wow, right now, I am simply exhausted and I have very little patience. That is what's true for me in this moment. That's mindfulness. Yeah. Right? If you're saying, you know, I really just want you to sleep. I don't want to read another story. As much as I love you, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. daddy wants to go to bed. Yeah. And and the ability to just notice, oh, this is what's here right now. And you bring a gentleness towards yourself. You bring a gentleness towards the kids. Um, I had a friend of mine who shared with me, you, you know I've written some books about mindfulness and they're these little, little pieces. Yes. And one of the ways that she started bringing this to her children and her family is the kids were, I think, ages three and ages five. And so she'd read one little section, and then they'd just sit and close their eyes for four breaths. Let's just sit together and close our eyes for four breaths. And then they would talk, you know, like, what was that like? And that, and that was it. So it was really, really yeah. small, and it was kind of all together. But 
you know, in terms of integration, it really just is, where is my attention right now? What is the emotion I'm having right now? What am I noticing with this tiny human right now? And sometimes as simple as just naming it. Yeah. You know what you know what I really like about that is that you 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 explain it so well and that you made me realize just how possible it is. It's like, yeah, you you do it all the time. And I just realized I just got a huge light bulb moment because you're saying like, hey, you're practicing it all the time. Like when when they're challenging you, that's what it feels like anyways, right? I'm being challenged or maybe even I'm probably even thinking I'm being threatened because yeah. my control yeah. is being attacked totally. and I'm losing it and I, I got to I gotta regain it back. But it's like in that moment, that's my chance to practice mindfulness. That's my chance to become present again and then switch it back, switch or, or train, change the course, right? Change the course. How is this, how is this conversation going to go? Is dad going to get really angry and upset or is dad going to pull back, detach for a second and then come back in the present moment? Right. Yeah. And I mean, related to that, too, you're also helping them understand what emotions are and how to be with them. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, hiding or trying to suppress or change emotion is, is not always of service, too. I mean, what if you were able to say, wow, dad, it feels so frustrated right now. This is what kids, this is what frustrated is, looks like. <laughs> and I still love you and you're my favorite people. And right now I have all this emotion in my body and it made me raise my voice. And if that was scary or if that made you raise your voice, yeah, that's what happens sometimes. That, those are emotions. They can be intense, but it's, it's also okay. F you know, we're going to have them here. Yeah. My six-year-old, he really does a good job of that, actually. And I got to give him credit now that I think mm. about it because he he challenges me a lot, but he's also very present, like you said. And he will constantly, um, you know, he he might, he'll tell me, he, or he'll even say, uh, I'll say sometimes, I'm angry, you know, I'm angry. But then he'll say, well, why? You know, well, why, Dad? Explain yourself, you know. Mm. Um, and then just the fact that um, him and I planned a special day recently. I said, hey, bud, we're going to go out. It's going to be just you and me, and I'm not going to have my phone out. It's going to be on airplane mode, and we're just going to – it's just going to be you and me, and we're going to be – and I said, the only time I have my phone out is to take pictures, okay? Mm -hmm. He looked at my wife, and he lit up. He started kind of grinning, and he was like – you could tell he was excited. So we did that. We did the day. I came back home, and then later I went to work, and I guess him and my wife talked. to like, yeah, hey, how was your day and stuff? And he told her, he goes, you wouldn't believe it, like – Dad really said what he said. He didn't get on his phone at all. Wow. So a couple of things from that story just reminds me how easy it is and how present I'm not, right? Yeah. And then at the same time, just like they're watching. And they, they really they see everything. And he really knows when, you know, when they, they, they feel that, that, that lack of presence. And you're right. They're the, they yeah. are the best barometers and, of presence. And that's so great that you, that you articulated it to him that I'll, I'll only take my phone out if I'm taking pictures. Otherwise, it's going to stay away, you know. I, I, my nephew once, I was at their place, and I was doing something on my phone. I don't even remember why. It wasn't that important. And he says, could you put down your phone and play with me? And it just hit me right in the heart. And I thought, oh, of course, baby. Of course I can. I don't even know why I'm so interested in it. You know, like humans, little humans, ch kids, 
They know. They know where our attention is. And part of feeling loved is feeling that you have someone's attention, that they're right with you, they're present with you, and they're mm. kind and they're curious. You know, they're not telling you, like, you have to do this. They're just, oh, like, what do you want to do? What's that? Oh, that's so interesting. What are you up to? That feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, and it was a funny day because that day it was just it was just him and I. And I tell you, by putting my phone away and just – it was a great day because th- I knew we had plenty of time. There was no rush to, for me to go to work or anything. I didn't feel rushed. And he was asking me a gazillion of the same questions over and over again. But I – I was good. I'm like, hey, we're no rush. I'll answer all these ridiculous questions. And uh, but I think I I felt different, and I feel like he felt different too. Like there was just this different energy where I'm I'm answering all his questions, and 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 he there was no like annoyance for me or like oh god I'm answering this you know the same questions you're exhausting me kid. But um, yeah, it's very interesting when that happens. That's awesome. Another thing you said that I that I got was having compassion for yourself. I am the worst at that. I am so hard on myself. And you were just in in your last story about mindfulness and how you were saying how you can cultivate and integrate it in your life. It just sounds like having compassion. Uh, do you do you find that to be? Is that something that? that you notice that's hard for a lot of people or even including yourself. I mean, I just found it really interesting that you you saw that and you said, like, you're already doing it and this is how, this is why. And I'm like, man, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I, y- yes to all of the things. Yes, I see it a lot with people. And also it's something that I have had in my own life and have had to learn that it's okay to be nice to myself. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous. It sounds so trivial, but it is such a significant perspective. It's such a significant internal posture, if you will. And I think especially with kids, because kids are always n- looking and noticing how you do life, how you how you do things. Mm. Not just what you say, right? P- kids watch what you will listen to what you say, but they'll really watch what you do. And so if you are telling some, you know, telling your kid that, hey, you know, I love you and and I care so much about you and you're the best and I really care about you. But on the inside, you yourself do not give that same care and love and generosity to yourself. If you withhold that from you, they will notice that, they will feel that, and then they end up very often mirroring or adopting that behavior, which is interesting, Yeah, which is really interesting. And I, I mean, I have noticed this in some ways in my own life. I thought, like, why am I so, like, where did that voice come from? Like, what is that voice that is so judgy and so hard? Mm. And I thought, my, I, you know, I don't remember my parents being like that to me. Like, like where did I get that from? I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I think I know which parent holds that in themselves, like they're so hard on themselves. Mm. And I aligned to that, right? Like I, I modeled you copied my it, inner yeah. space off of that. So that's one, one part of it. But the other part is just the sense that you are a human. You have been given a life to experience and to care for. Like how can you not offer kindness and compassion and forgiveness and care to that life. 
Like, how can you offer it to the life outside you but withhold it from the life that is happening within your own cells and your body right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, I th- and I think it's so easy to just want to give, give, and, and, and I think, and I mean, I'm, I'm self-reflecting in the moment here, mm-hmm. so it's just like, it's so e- it's so easy for us to maybe or and it's probably even a cop out, right? Or it's an identity that's maybe not a good one, but it's like especially as like police officers or like yeah. this is what I do, I serve, I serve and then I never take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's that's going to that takes some just reflection and some awareness. And I think I think for a lot of people too, they just they I don't want to say they hide behind it. But um, it's just very easy to not even probably recognize what they're doing. Yeah, it becomes a habit. Because I'm good. Actually, I'm doing good things. I'm giving, 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 right? Yeah. Like they, they look at it like it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But then what about yourself? What about loving yourself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one place I've seen this in the work that I do is people will say, oh, but I, you know, I need to be hard on myself. Otherwise, I'll be lazy or otherwise yeah. I won't achieve anything. Or if I want to reach my goals, like I have to be really, really hard on myself because that's what will help me to get there. Hustle, and grind. Yeah. yeah. And on the one hand, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe it's fair. You know, that's probably the strategy that got you this far. Yeah. And the reason you keep doing it is because it's it's worked to some extent in the past, but it also is exhausting. It's a really easy way to burn yourself out. And instead, as a possible alternative, what if you just tapped back into that sense of curiosity and the desire to create and be an expressive human? Because my perspective is that as a, as a life, you are a life. There's a life that moves through you. Mm. The desire that you have built in to grow and to expand and to create and to try new things and just like, oh, it would be really, really neat to do this. Oh, I wonder what would happen if I could do that. That is way more energizing and far less challenging on your system than the anxiety. So if what you want is energy to motivate you, choose something that will be more sustaining and more uplifting than something that is going to wear you out and exhaust you and have other possible toxic cumulative effects. Yeah. I mean, and and that goes back to, I think that post that I saw you write, you have permission to do all these things. Yeah. And I will (laughs) say, and I will say too, like part of that for me is coming from it, from the place of I'm a person who, Oh, if something isn't really working, that means I need to try harder. Totally. Right? Yeah, I if totally relate not, with that. Yeah, it's like, I have to try harder. I have to try harder. Sometimes it's just time to leave. It's okay. You don't have to control everything. You don't have to make everything go the way you think it needs to go. Sometimes when things aren't working out, it's because, oh, I've now outgrown this. It's now time to leave this flower pot and replant myself into some new soil and have more room to stretch out. It's okay to leave. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean you gave up. It doesn't mean that you don't love. But you, c- mm-hmm. you can try new things. You can let it go. There's, there's more available to you. Yeah, you know, and I was reading this book about money and manifestation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I remember, the, one of the chapters was talking about, you know, 
you, let's let's say it's leaving a job or something, mm-hmm. and you're 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 staying there because well the money's good and you're you're fearful that you won't make as much somewhere else. And I remember somewhere in the chapter, he says, you have to give up something to get something else. Like you you have to let something go so that now you have space to receive something else. It just like blew my mind when I heard them like, oh my God, like it just, it changes like the possibilities, the possi- yeah. the game's changed, yeah. you know? One of the things I wanted to ask you before we talked, this was great. You and I were texting back and forth and I said, hey, Kim, what's something that you want to, you want to talk about? Because I got a lot of questions I want to talk about you, but what do you want to promote? What do you want to talk about? And I'm expecting you to say, well, I'd like to promote my new book, or uh, I'd definitely like you to ask me a question about you know, some of the courses that I'm doing. <laughs> and your response was this. I have to read this. You said, I want to talk about life, possibilities, and being a human. Talk to me about that, because that text also the best word I can think about just dissolved me. Mm. It just made me like fall. I'm like, holy cow, man. (laughs) Like it was just so, um, you know, presence is a good word. I mean, I dissolved. Like I said, I just was like, oh my, like sometimes there's just like, there's nothing. Maybe there's not like, let's just like, like you and I, let's just, and what I got from that was let's just be. Yeah. Let's just let's, let's just, just talk. Yeah, let's, let's see where this talk. goes. Let's There's just have no a conversation. like here's the here's the piece of paper I have. Throw <laughs> it out the window, right? Um, but yeah, like I mean, talk just talking yeah. about that. Like I mean, being human, like yeah. I find that fascinating. And uh, uh, real quick, I'm just gonna dovetail. I saw really? Simon Sinek speak. Do you know Simon Sinek? A little bit. A little bit. He has this book about starting talking about uh, starting with your why. Leaders eat last, and he's got a new book called The Infinite Game. And so he spoke uh, to our department and, you know, leaders are always like, well, how do I get my people to do more and, and be more effective and more efficient and write more tickets or whatever the job is? How do I get my leaders to basically do more? I mean, my, my people to do more. And he said, guys, you're, you're looking at it all wrong. He's like, this is, not, this is not a finite game. This is not a game of like inches, like wins and losses and numbers and, and this week you're high and this week you're low. He said, it's an infinite game. It's about human connection. Mm-hmm. He's like, you guys miss that. He's like, let me ask you. He's like, when's the last time you actually went down to one of your subordinates and just talk to them? You ask them, how's your day? How many kids do you have? What do you do for fun, Joel? It's that simple, guys. It's, <laughs> it's that simple. He's like, have no agenda. Don't, don't go in there and say, hey, how many kids you have? And then, by the way, how many tickets did you write? No. He's like, it's about human connection. He's like, that's what's missing in all organizations, not just police work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's some, so that's something that also struck with me when you said, yeah. it's about just, let's just, and being human. But yeah, can you talk to me about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's funny because sometimes when people ask what I do, there are so many different ways to answer and there are all of these different things and people want to know uh, how do all those things fit together. And what I've come to realize is that it's all about it's all about being human. It's all about connection. It's all about we've got a little bit of time on the planet. How do we want to use it? So whether I'm showing up as an author or a teacher or a yoga meditation person or a corporate person, the, the through line through all of that is just being a human is hard sometimes. <laughs> and there yeah. are a lot of different ways that we can you know, help support ourselves and each other. 
And that becomes a really interesting conversation, right? The conversation of like, what is lighting you up right now? The conversation of what feels heavy on your heart right now? The conversation of, wow, I, can't, I haven't seen you in the last two years. I'm so excited to catch up and know what you're working on. Yeah. And, and I often find that when we do let go of the sense of what is supposed to happen in this space, then there's room for something unexpected and really useful and delightful and nourishing to come through. So a little bit of structure can be wonderful, but we're not here in service of the structure. The structure is here in service of the alchemy of whatever's going to emerge here. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much, man. And this, this conversation has just been an absolute delight. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, you do a lot of, speaking of leadership, you do a lot mm -hmm. with just managers from, like, yes. I, like I said, with, with corporations, yeah. and you're teaching them mindfulness and leadership mm -hmm. techniques. So talk to me about that and, like, why managers need mindfulness. Why, why do these so-called leaders need this? I think we kind of almost just touched on the last segment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, talk to me about, like, why it's so important. Well, the first thing to, set to share is that when I first started teaching, I was teaching around mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. And then my thinking shifted a little bit, and I wanted to create something that would be more easily relatable and that's something people could really connect with. And I came to this idea of being a new manager. And in the course of my work, I work with people through all levels of their career, but y you've probably seen, I've been doing a lot with new managers specifically. And what I love about being at that stage of career is that there's this awareness that happens from, oh, I'm really good at this thing that I do, whether it's design or sales or building something or whatever that is. And then you go higher and now you're managing people and there's this awareness of, oh, this is a different skill set. Like I, <laughs> I was not prepared for how to do the relationship and communication part of working with all of these people. And so the conversations that happen with new managers are fascinating to me. And I also end up working a lot with people who have never, like they might not be officially managing people, they don't have direct reports, but they do have people they have to manage by influence or mm -hmm. there's like an unofficial reporting structure and they are the ones who have to make all the things happen. And so I found that, you know, for me, mindfulness is a very fundamentally useful skill in every context. But when I bring it to the conversation of work and management and leadership, it just becomes a nice ground upon which to talk about self-awareness, communication, because those are the two things that break <laughs> all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And, and when there's no self-awareness and there's no communication, n nothing gets done easily. Everything is harder. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in the, in, in the world of work and corporate and business and people are trying to measure productivity and efficiency and, you know, all of these numeric things, but there's this invisible element which, which mindfulness will serve. Like yeah. mindfulness will serve your creativity. It will serve your ability to communicate effectively. It will serve your ability to build trust. It will serve your ability to create a culture of learning. It will serve your ability 
to see a higher vision and then communicate that vision to people so they feel invested, motivated, and then willing to go the extra mile. Yeah. I see it as this almost like this master key. It just it unlocks so much. It becomes so useful. I, rem I remember, uh, I think, you know, it was the first time I met you was at a mindfulness workshop that you did for mm -hmm. us. And I remember you doing the workshop. I can't remember how long it was. Maybe it was like an hour long, 45 minutes, something uh -huh. like that. And I remember that was actually, I had to credit you. I think that was probably the first time I was even really introduced to mindfulness uh -huh. and that kind of training. And I remember uh, at the end, I felt, first of all, I felt great. Afterwards, I'm like, ah, I feel amazing. And I remember you <laughs> asking all of us afterwards something of that, what you just said really was, hey, um, like, how many of you, like, can see, like, like, how many of you, like, feel better? How many of you, like, feel more creative? And you can, how many of you can see, like, you, and, like, you basically, everyone's, like, nodding. We're all nodding our head, like, yes, this makes us more creative. Like, yes, this would be better. <laughs> yes, we'd be more productivity. You probably even gave some, like, stats and, like, science to back it up. And, and by the way, this does, you're more productive if you're mindful. And, and then I remember thinking, well, how many of us are actually going to go forward and continue this practice? Mm -hmm. You know, like, you gave us all the answers. And so I'm just left thinking, yeah. like, everybody knows. I think we're, we're reaching, like, this, um, what do you call it? Where, like, uh, you reach a, uh, a, a point and we're a tipping point. Mm -hmm. We're reaching a tipping point where, like, mindfulness, people know it's good. Like, yeah. you need to be cultivating and doing it. But... Again, when you're working with these organizations, do you see that do you see that struggle of them wanting to take on mindfulness or like, no, it's not really for our corporation or no, we don't really need that woo-woo mindfulness? I would say usually by the time people reach out to me, they're already curious enough about it that it's something they recognize as relevant. Yeah. Sometimes there will be an event and there will be people that have to be there. So the person that was organizing the event is really into mindfulness, so they hired me. Yeah. But there might be some skeptics in the crowd, and that's totally fine. I, I get it. I have been there myself, and I'm very comfortable. Because part of this is I don't want anyone to take what I say and just believe it. Yeah. I don't want them to give me that kind of authority. My objective is if I can help create a little curiosity for you and also facilitate an experience that will let you decide for yourself based on your experience of this thing. If this is of use, I trust that you will take it and use it in a way that will help you. Even if it's just a little idea in the back of your mind and then three months later you're in a bookstore and you pick up a book that you wouldn't have thought to pick up before. Yeah. So I, I'm not so much about here's the plan and do it in this way and this is what will happen. I really believe in serendipity and yeah. that there are so, and to your point, there are so many teachers and so many apps and so many ways that it can move in a person's life. And I am excited and honored when I get to be a part of that person's path but I don't have to be the, you know, like the fireworks go off and, yeah, you've made it. Like you're here. Yeah. Now take this. Any little nudge, any little encouragement or serendipitous element I can help to create in that person's life is really satisfying. Oh, because also <laughs> I will say one last thought about that is that within any organization, the culture will change when even just one person changes 
in the same way that you can have one person and their attitude can completely sink the whole room, one person who thinks, you know what, I think this is going to work for me. Yeah. I think there's something here. And they start to implement it and include it. It ripples out because we have this effect with each other. We ripple out. Yeah. So I always know there will be s at least one person in this room. And I don't always know it. I won't always see it. But I know that there will always be someone with whom this will be very resonant for and it will be helpful for them. And they will be the person to then ripple it out in their life and in their organization. Yeah, that's so cool. Y you're not worried about like, mm -hmm. oh, this, I got to change these people. No, no it's just no, no. like, let, what is, let's just be. Yeah. And what happens, what happens. And it might affect this person, it might affect this person. And then collaboratively, or even if it doesn't affect just maybe the organization, Maybe yeah. it just affects that one person's life and then they go out and do great things or they start their own startup because of the mindfulness training or whatever. Or they just become a better dad, a better brother yeah. or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, so interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I just heard a stat because I just took this leadership course. Uh, it was a two-day course. Mm -hmm. and, and the instructor said, you only need like, I want to say it was like 13 to 14%. Like that's the tipping point. When you get that, when you get that, just that little percentage in an organization, that's all you need. And like the rest, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize that. And I think he was quoting it from Malcolm Gladwell's old book, The Tipping Point. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting. Like that's all, yeah, that's all you need. Just that little, that little nudge, as you said. Absolutely. Um, here's a question I was thinking about. You know, these so-called soft skills, and that's what I call them too. They're probably really hard skills like mindfulness mm -hmm. and like you said, communication, mm -hmm. how it's like, we're, no one's being taught that in school. Like what, what is how Like, but over life, like, uh, I always reflect back when I used to, I used to, when I was 18 years old, I sold Cutco knives. I don't know if you know about yeah, them. Yeah. Okay. And I go back and I reflect on who I am today. And I always credit that job because that job really made me jump out of my comfort zone. And I learned a lot of these soft skills. They were salesmanship skills, really. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I had to cold call people, the fact that I had to go into people's homes, look them in the eyes and talk to them, like all oh, this stuff. I always credit that job as these soft skills. And it's interesting now in my life as a, as a trainer and, and as a teacher, someone who teaches others, I always find a lot of those skills lacking. And I'm always amazed. I'm like, oh my. And then I go back and I'm like, where did I, how, now that I'm teaching them, I'm like, where did I get that? And it usually always trickles back to that job where I learned these so-called soft skills that yeah. are so important. And I don't know why I'm asking you. I was going <laughs> to ask you like, why is that missing in, in life? Why are we not cultivating that? But I don't even know if you would know the answer. But um, Well, my perspective on that is, and it's interesting you mentioned like being in sales because sales is one of the functions where there's such clarity that learning relationship building skills is <laughs> that's what it's all about right you want to really know how to, to do that and there are a lot of other jobs where that's more of a secondary part of it so salespeople tend to really get relationship building, mindfulness, self-awareness things because they understand that very easily. Yeah. But my thought is that I like to think of them as invisible skills. Yes, the because, invisible skills. Yeah, they're not always they're not always uh, easy. Sometimes they can be quite challenging. You can't see them, but you know when they're not there. 
Yeah. When you're absent, you really feel it. But I think of it like this. We're actually really good at developing them. We've been doing it subconsciously our entire life. You know, the, the, we, the reason I know that you're good with soft skills is because you have successfully lived to adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> If you That's are, the only marker. Yeah, if you hey, are here. if you are an adult, you have learned <laughs> soft skills. Because the thing is, is we're born, we don't have language, we don't have motor skills. We have to find a way to understand how do these other humans work and how can I function effectively with them. And then the thing that's interesting is we grew up all in different families, different schools, different neighborhoods, maybe different cultures, different kinds of places where we learned how do I get things done here. Mm. And so sometimes the thing we learned is, okay, just keep my head down, stay to myself, but if I can create this kind of outcome, people will let me leave me alone and just let me do what I want. Yeah. Some people learned, oh, if I get really loud – that is what will get me what I what I want. And yeah. maybe those people had that modeled for them. They saw, oh, the way you get what you want is you get really loud. Or you just get really, really nice and you never disagree. And that's the way that you get what you want. Mm -hmm. So we've learned all these different ways. And then depending on what industry and what company and what career and profession, different behaviors get rewarded or recognized yeah. and some are a little bit less so. So... It, it doesn't surprise me when people realize, oh, this relating with humans and communicating and being self-aware, oh, this is, I'm, you know, I have never thought about it in this way. It's like, yeah, because you're just, you're, we're all so good. We figure it out as we go. But then we reach this place of uh -huh. adulthood where we can decide how would I like to relate with people? How would I like to be? What else is available? And we always also realize, oh, not everyone is like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have different styles and different ways. And, oh, that's why I'm having trouble communicating with this person is because they're very avoidant and yeah. I'm very direct. And then they feel threatened and run away. And it, it Clearly, you're speaking about my relationship. <laughs> that's all about relationships. <laughs> Yeah, and the th and the thing is, is we we each of us think that our way is correct. Yep. Like the way I yeah. see the world is the correct way. Yep. We forget. We're humans. We're very intelligent, but we're very forgetful. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. No, and I, there's a book that I haven't finished, but it just talks about that that bias, that cognitive bias, and that's something I'm trying to be more aware of in my own life. I'm like, I know I have a bias, and I know you have a bias. Everybody does, mm -hmm. and so it's just being aware of it and then trying to be self-aware, right? And so that you can course correct if, if that uh, bias is not serving you, right? Yeah. Is there anything that you notice from the managers and the leaders that you, that you, that you mentor? Is there, anything, is, there, is there anything that you notice repeatedly that, that, they, that, they're, that they're, I don't want to say that they're missing, but just that is a soft skill or an invisible skill that you're always like, yeah, that's usually missing. I'm I'm not surprised. I would say the thing that I see that's common across all of the people I work with is that everyone is human. Everyone has self-doubt. Everyone has something they feel anxious or worried about. Mm -hmm. Everyone has moments of feeling like, am I up for this? Like, can I really do this? Everyone has flashes of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Everyone has feelings of, wow, I feel like everyone in the room is smarter than me or 
it. Like, like everyone has something that's either a blind spot or something that they're very aware of that they feel gets in their way. Yeah. And so that's what's really interesting is that often when we're moving through the world, we're, we're sort of trying to hide the thing that we don't feel really strong about. Of course, right? yeah. And that's not, you know, good or bad. That's just, it's a way we tend to be. And so if you have a place where you can reckon with that, if you have a, a journal, right, or a workshop or a therapist or a, a dear, dear friend or advisor or a coach or there's someone in your life where you can say, you know what, this is the thing I've secretly been carrying that I feel is getting in my way and gets heavy and I just want to put the mask down for a minute. Everybody, it's like, oh, wow, but you seem so successful and you have ev everything together. And they're like, does it look like that? Because on the inside, I'm not so sure. I'm falling like, apart. Oh, that's so interesting. Right. We are all human. We all have that. We're all trying our best. We all want to be respected and seen and appreciated. We all want to do work that matters. Yeah. We all want to feel uh, that, that we are making a difference in some way. You know? I really like how you said that because I asked you a very, like, direct question like a hey so like give me the one thing that like <laughs> I, that you notice from a manager and i'm expecting you to say oh well it's um they lack this skill mm -hmm. and what i'm really starting to get from you is that you go in there so present so open-minded and you're non-judgmental like that's what i get from you in that you just go in there and, and you're not even looking at you're not even looking oh that guy's missing this this person's missing this you're just like oh let's Let's just see what is. Let's just let's just be and and play. Yeah. Let's be curious. Let's just play and see what happens. And you know that everybody's missing something, and so it's gonna be fun. We're gonna we're all gonna learn something. Yeah. And I don't have you, so you don't have to worry about like, oh well, Joel's missing mindfulness and this guy is oh, missing yeah. it. This is just gonna happen. Everyone has a thing, and and it really is. I like to go in and just be curious about what will this person bring to this conversation? What would they like to bring? What is available? What is here for them? And sometimes just asking a question and then getting out of the way creates the space for something to emerge and be seen that maybe they haven't revealed even to themselves, mm. you know, which is pretty powerful. Yeah. How does, uh, how does Kim Nicole practice mindfulness? Right now, it is through walking. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love going for a walk. It just from walk out my door, walk through the neighborhood, walk to a park. I look at trees. I look at flowers. I, lo I love going to dog parks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And watching. And you don't have a dog. No, I don't yeah. have a dog. <laughs> but I love to watch dogs play because they're so expressive. They're so joyful. They're so funny. And yeah. so... That for me, is like that helps me get in the moment. I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm going to move my body. I want to watch dogs play. That is my favorite current mindfulness practice. That's so interesting. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. Mm -hmm. And I like, again, one of the things I really like about this is the way you integrate mindfulness into your work, into what you do. It's not... It's not like you said, oh, well, let me now sit in this posture. It can be that. It, it can, can be. be that. Yeah. But like I meditate, I, that's great. Yeah. 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 
but it's, you know, how can I integrate it with my day and find that mindfulness? How can I detach, you know, and not be all up in my head thinking all the time, I got to do this, I got to do this. Like, yeah. how do I integrate that? Exactly. That, that's what's so great about having a physical body. <laughs> <laughs> Is that yeah. your your physical body is always experiencing what's going on right now. And so if you realize, oh, I've been walking and I don't even know what I'm looking at because I'm completely lost in thought, then that's when you yeah. bring it back and say, look at that tree. Wow, that's such a pretty tree. Look at that flower. I didn't have to do anything. And here's this beautiful flower growing. I didn't have to make it bloom. I didn't have to grow it. I didn't have to water it. I'm just walking down the street and here is this gorgeous flower that is blooming out of this little flower place you know and then it's yeah. like wow what an, like what an incredible place i live in what a beautiful world i get to be a part of yeah and and like and then you're there it's like wow wow like that's, this feels this feels amazing yeah <laughs> yeah and then there's that sense of gratitude too mm -hmm. like you you can you, you're cultivating that too at the same time like it's like wow yeah you get it all it's a lot. You're getting a lot of dopamine. Yeah. A lot of hits. Totally. <laughs> hey, one of the things I want to acknowledge you for that you do really well, and I don't know if you, you know that you do this really well, is that you're, you post a lot on uh, – I'm following you on Facebook and mm -hmm. Instagram, um, but more so it's your Facebook posts. So I don't know if they go out somewhere else as well. But what I really like that you post are, are just things that are just real in life. And what I mean by that is you'll post reviews that po people will, will leave you. It's just like real. You'll, you'll post like, hey, I remember one of your posts was like, this person liked my post, like says, this is amazing. This is the best course ever. <laughs> and then the next person <laughs> was like, one star, you suck. <laughs> but what I, yeah. what I love about that, and that's not the only one. There's other ones too where – you know, you, you post your defeats too. You, you post, and or there's another one that I like, is like an email that was sent to you. And it was someone who had like read your book. Um, yeah. Like they had been uh -huh. like suggested to read it. They didn't. And then it was like, like you said, the serendipity. Mm -hmm. Five years later or something, they picked up the book and read it. And then they got this aha moment. And they're like, hey, Kim, I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I love that, man. And I just want to acknowledge you and say thank you because it pushes me because, and I'm sure more than, all of us to just keep going, man. Keep going after your goals and your dreams because you just never know when you're stuck in the moment and you're looking so narrow at what you're what you're doing. You lose sight of the joy and why yeah. you're doing it. You you lose the why. You know you're like, oh well, um, I only had you know so uh, <laughs> one company booked me for mindfulness. Where in my case, oh I only had one coaching call this week. I'm I must be terrible. I only had two views for my podcast. You know, and it's so easy to just just disgruntled and go oh, like what do I what do I got to do? And I love reading that because it just reminds me just keep going because there's people out there that are loving the content. And yeah. that are getting something from it. And you just don't know when. Yeah. I mean, and I think finding the joy in the creative part of it and then letting go, you know, who's going to read it? What's going to happen next? What does it all roll up into? I don't know. Maybe that's not your job to know that yet. Yeah. Maybe your job right now is just to give yourself permission to be creative and to make things and to have conversations and to just try some things out. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, somebody even texted me the other day and was like, hey, you know, if you want to improve your SEO, and I'm like, 
No. <laughs> I, that's what <laughs> I, I said. Not. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm so busy right now. I'm like, I honestly, I don't even care. And it was, it was relaxing for me to say that. I'm like, I, I don't care. What I care about is just playing the long game and just, I'm, I'm, I plan, I'm not, I'm not like the infinite game. I'm not playing for like <laughs> every view and every da da da. I'm like, that'll come if it comes, mm-hmm. it'll come. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm enjoying this. And then the person took that, you know, well. And, uh, but, the, and I know they're, they're just looking out for me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just normal. So thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, are you ready for some lightning round questions? Okay. Um, <laughs> so the lightning round questions, just so you know, they're just, they're shorter questions. Yep. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they're shorter responses, but they can be. Okay. I don't care. They can be long. Ex- <laughs> they can be long too. Uh, yeah. This yes. whole conversation has just been about just being. So yeah. whatever comes to you, answer. That's all. Okay. I, that's what I want. Great. Um, what are some choices that made you who you are today? Choosing to resign from my corporate job was huge. Felt like the most adult decision I mm. ever made. I would also say, gosh, what other choices? That was the first one that came to mind. Yeah. That was one of the biggest, it. biggest choices I ever made. That was it. That was yeah. the choice yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And then you evolved and became, I like what you said too. You didn't say the word evolve. I think you did actually. But you just said like, you know, we go through evolutions in life. And I completely believe that. Yeah. It's okay to leave your job. It's okay to leave mm-hmm. your relationship. It's okay to do this. Yeah. You can choose something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um for you, is there anybody that, or who inspires you when it comes to meditation, mindfulness? Is there any teacher or mentor, just anybody out there that, social media or anybody that, that you follow in your life and that inspires you? Well, I have my meditation teacher, and I have known him now for almost a decade. And we still, there's a, a few students of his that have worked with him for years, and we meet once a month. Mm-hmm. So having that consistency and having that community of practice really helps me with respect to my mindfulness practice. Can you say who the teacher is or no? Oh, yeah. His oh. name is Nestor. Nestor. Yeah, is Nestor San- Perez. Is this in San Francisco or? He lives in the East Bay. But okay. But, yeah, he comes into the city and we meet. And is there like a special, I'm asking, is there like a special place that you guys meet or is like, is this for everybody or is this like a core group of people that's like kind of private? So our group is closed and private. Okay. But he also does public events i'll warn your listeners in advance <laughs> he, he has no website it, okay it creeped me not creeped me out but i thought <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean he doesn't have a website yeah who, who is this who guy? is this guy how where, good can he be if he doesn't have a website where do i find <laughs> it? the yellow pages i know like, like what but is i it's one of those things when the student is ready the teacher appears it was the right teacher for me at the right place in the right time and yeah. there you went. And you know what? Is it okay? I know we're in lightning round. Can I, don't I care. go back to the last question you just asked Absolutely. me? Absolutely. It occurred to me is this the most important, the, the choice that made me who I am, it actually wasn't that I left my job. The choice was I chose to trust myself. Oh. And trusting myself gave me the permission to leave the job. And that is something I continue to have to come back to. Like, can I trust myself on this? That has been, especially the last few years, that's been the most significant choice, the choice to trust myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really letting that sink in because the logical part of me, I, I agree, right, yeah. on, on the philosophical uh, side. And, and we kind of touched on this. Yeah. And then I think, 
okay, but what if you trust your? It's like um, so. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like the uh, the counter argument is uh, okay. I trust myself, but I got bills to pay. Yeah, and so also how do how do people? Yeah, how do well, you? Those, so that's a couple different questions. But one thought is, trusting yourself doesn't mean that things are always going to go your way. Mm. The outcome, I, I there's a, someone else who is smarter than me who said this, <laughs> but essentially it is the outcome does not determine the value of the decision. And I want to say it was Annie Duke. She has written some really awesome books about poker, actually. Oh, she was a professional poker player, and she's written. she wrote a book called Small Bets or Tiny Bets. And the outcome of the the uh, the outcome of the decision does not determine the value of the decision. You make the choice. You can't judge if it was right or wrong based on what happens next. So that is number one. And number two, for me, the idea of trusting myself means I'm stepping away from the question, what should I do? Because should is always envisioning that there's some outside ultimate authority with the answer key who's evaluating you against whatever other people are doing or the imaginary thing that is correct for you. So when I stopped letting yeah. go of, oh, I should do this, this would be the smart thing to do, and got more aligned. We're back to alignment. Aligned, we yeah. came full circle. <laughs> back to this place of, like, what is it that I truly want? What is it that truly matters to me right now? Okay, so if I want to leave my job and I still want to <laughs> live in the city and pay my rent, what does that mean? How will I do that? So it it invites you to continue to go deeper in the questions rather than just shutting out and saying, oh, I'll just do this and flail yeah. or I won't do this and I'll build resentment. It's like, okay, mm. if you really want to do this, if you're going to trust yourself to leave, can we also trust ourselves to be resourceful about generating income in another way? Yeah. And for me at the time when I left, I did have my, my one class a week I was teaching at 24-Hour Fitness. And I'm like, how many other classes can I teach? I'm just going to add more classes. I'll, right. I'll, find, I'll, I'll learn how to also generate money and I'll reduce my expenses and I'll sell my car and I'll, you know, how can I, we have to, we have to both be not realistic, but we, we want to look at what am I really working with here in the world? Mm. You know, I'm not going to manifest a replacement salary tomorrow, <laughs> right. but okay, let me take a real good hard look at my finances, at my expenses. How can I generate an income? How can I create a salary like what how can I do so it will then push me to get creative but if I'm willing to trust myself and follow through with that that's what makes it possible it seems like too it, it's an ongoing conversation like you yeah. don't just have the conversation once like Correct. oh like I trust myself <laughs> and then like you said you just go like no you're yes there's there's it's an ongoing like yes can I do this Correct. Or can I do this let's keep being curious let's keep yeah thinking about this uh -huh. and not just Oh, okay. Well, I quit my job. Deuces. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's continue the conversation. I keep it, make it an ongoing conversation. Uh -huh. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, thank you for going back, by the way. Yeah. Thank you for, this, you're the first <laughs> person on the lightning round to go back. Thank you. The later response sometimes <laughs> with me. <laughs> um, what are some exciting projects that you're working on right now? I have been excited about the new manager's work I'm doing. It, it initially started as one. 90-minute workshop that I was teaching once a month in San Francisco. It's now expanded to a half-day event, a full-day event, a five-week wow. event. I've been experimenting with how many different ways can I offer this 
to people. So now, instead of just being in San Francisco, I have an online program, and I'm testing that out with a small group of students, and that's nice. really cool. I'm experimenting with how can I create content for people who can't, you know, who can't be here. So maybe that's audio, maybe that's video. So I'm really expanding the way that I'm sharing and playing with that material, and that feels exciting because yeah. I see all people from all these different industries. Most companies and industries are not really good at helping their new managers. It's just it's like this universal blind spot for so many of us. Yeah. So it feels really exciting to know, oh, I can create something that will help people in all these different places in all these different ways and then ripple out and create a positive effect. That's so amazing, you know? And and, and you know, one thing I just thought about when yeah. it, when you said you're first of all, you're right. They the leadership that managers are being given is, is trash. So they need someone like you. But more so, I think, you know, I just took this two-day course on leadership, and afterwards, after I took the class, I kind of thought to myself, you know what? I need this, like, once a year. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to be doing something like this just to bring me back and reset me and kind of get me back to aligning with why am I here? What am I doing? I think we all need that check-in. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and it's like a never-ending journey, um, mindfulness and cultivating. Like, you really have to – it's a constant thing, man. Or, you know, you can – yeah. it's a conversation. <laughs> it is. I mean, and it's also kind of like breathing. <laughs> breathing is great, but you don't just do it once. You do it all the time, you know? Yeah. It's, it's continuous. So I feel like we, with any learning, with any insight, especially around topics of leadership and personal growth and – expanding your own awareness you're changing the world of all so there's you we continue to revisit because we learn both the depth but also the expanded height of it yeah i mean yeah. i just think companies would be they would you would create so much value for companies even yeah. if they weren't new managers it's kind of what i also wanted to oh, say do you know what i mean thank you like that is so they, kind they need yeah. someone like you mm-hmm. Just once a year or whatever, just like a check-in. Like, yeah. hey, are we doing this? Hey, are we doing this? It's like guarantee, <laughs> like you just said, people are going to walk yeah. away going, oh, my God, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or and, and, and again, even if it's not in their work, it could be in their family. It could be in their yeah. personal life. And all that stuff correlates. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was just – I was learning something about, like, there's no such thing as this work-life balance. Like, they're all together. It's all mixed into yes. one. Correct. Okay. So, like, uh-huh. don't try to separate them like, oh, well, if work is good, then my home life uh, sucks or vice versa. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's all one. Yeah. So, like, make, them, make it great, right? Um, if someone were – I, so I think you answered this question. But if, if someone were to come, come up to you, you're in the elevator, and like, oh, you're a mindfulness teacher. Tell me one thing I could do to start – I'm not a mindful person, they say to you. What's one thing I could do right now to start being more mindful? I would say, what's something that's going well in your world today? Ooh. That's it. And they would think about it and find something. Or they'd be like, nothing. Nothing is good. (laughs) Okay. That's okay, too. Yeah. You know what I just realized, too, is if it's it's good or bad, you're starting the conversation. 100%. And then you're just like, oh, why, why does my life suck? Yeah. I mean, mindfulness is really where are you putting your attention? And so some people look only to the positives and they can be really annoying because they want to put a silver lining on everything. 
and they can be in denial about the things that aren't working. You also have people that only look at the problems. No matter what else mm -hmm. is good, they're only looking at what's not working. So being mindful is the ability to know that in every moment throughout your life, there are both. Things are amazing and simultaneously challenging and yeah. potentially devastating. And we don't cling to that which is wonderful, and we don't push away or fixate on that which is not. We're able to look at and hold both with compassion and with appreciation. Yeah. That's, that is the challenge. That's yeah. tough, man. I, I agree. I hear you. But, mm -hmm. man, to hold both in compassion. Yeah. That's a struggle for me. I can, I'm, I'll tell you. Well, you know, there's practice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Start with easy, small things. Oh, life's a journey, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm always being challenged and, and learning and learning new things. So, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, life is life is beautiful for that reason. Yes. You know. It is. Um. Oh, this is a funny one, actually. How do you how do you deal with haters? <laughs> I don't think I have that many. I think. People either just ignore me. I'm kind of like, <laughs> she's not interesting. Let's move on. You're not controversial. I, so not it's that like, I'm eh. aware of. Yeah. <laughs> Which is surprising for a former lawyer. Like, I don't get anything yeah. antagonistic from you. I'm like, yeah. where's the prove to be right? I got to prove you wrong. I, yeah, I, I am not aware of having a strong so, hater community. So, someone, so. Gi <laughs> someone gives you one star. Yeah. Someone gives you one star on yeah. something that you did. Yeah. How do, you, how do you... My first feeling is like, oh, like I made this thing and they didn't like it. Yeah. But what I've learned is it's okay. I don't like everything that everybody makes either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's about not taking it personally. Yeah. It's about trusting I'm not their thing. I'm not their teacher. I'm not their guide. It's okay. I'm glad that they know that about themselves. Mm. I've also learned some people get a lot of pleasure out of complaining about things. Yeah. So if I gave you the opportunity to enjoy your life more <laughs> by complaining <laughs> about something, that's awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. 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 Thank yeah, you. It's You're okay. doing a very favor, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? And just real quick, because yeah. I told you about the one star, I'm very happy that you are doing these tracks. Oh, um, that you. you're creating that. You, that was one of the things you said. Now, I'm going back in the lightning round. But one <laughs> of the things you said was that uh, you're creating a lot more, and I didn't yeah. notice that, and I, I, I like that. So keep doing that. I think, that, I think that's you. cool. That so yeah, keep keep doing the, yeah. the, the, the tracks and stuff. I think that's powerful. So thank you. All right, here's a deep one. If the old you could see the new you, what would the new you say? Oh, the new you, the new you. The new me would say, this might be hard to believe, and it's okay. Like, you don't need to know how you're going to get from here to there. Yeah. But, you know, like, you're doing great. Like, there's nothing wrong. You're doing great. I believe in you. Things are amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. One, I'm a big reader, and I've been influenced a lot by great books like yours. What's, like, one to three, one to three books that – were game changers for you that you, you think other people should read? Yep. The Art of Possibility by Benjamin and Rosamond Zander. I love that book. I read mm. it. It was recommended to me almost uh, 10 years ago. And I remember it was just like a light bulb. And it was cheerful mm. and funny and thought-provoking. And it's a book I've continued to go back to. 
So the art of possibility, I highly recommend. I saw you post that, and it's funny that you said that because somebody else had recommended that book to me. Anytime yeah. two people recommend it, I'm like, okay, that's it. It's time to get it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Thank you. You're Any, you know, I, my show is called The Hack Life because I love, I'm into biohacking and I'm into, mm -hmm. I like the idea of hacks, right? Like you can hack this, hack that. At the end of the day, though, I do truly believe that you need mastery. But are there any hacks or rituals or practices that you do on a daily basis that you find to be just such a game changer and you're surprised that other people don't do it? I would say it's more of a mindset thing, which is that things can be easier than you realize. We create hmm. so many obstacles for ourselves in our own mind, and so much of it is smoke and mirrors. It's not real, but it feels real, yeah. and so it ends up getting in our way, slowing us down. So I would say that when you wake up in the morning, consider that everything might be easier than you think it needs to be. Is that something that you'll actually say to yourself, like silently or? It just depends on the day. Sometimes they're like, oh boy, let this be easy. Let it be easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. It's just a gentle reminder to just remind you like you said doesn't have to be hard mm -hmm. we're finishing up where can people find you so i'm on facebook I, you know you have mentioned this i post a lot on facebook i post also on linkedin so people can follow me either of those places and i have a website it's my name kimnickel.com and honestly you know if you I'm, i will tell you being very honest, I'm really bad at updating <laughs> my website with all my things. So if you Google me, that will also guide you to my content. It's scattered all over the internet. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, Kim Nichol. Thank you. On The Hack Life. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in the show. It absolutely means the world to me, and I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity. If any of this resonates with you, feel free to go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. There you can follow me or you can follow me on Spotify. And if you're interested in life coaching or health coaching, you can find me at joelevancoaching.com. And I'd love to connect with you there. Thanks and continue to be amazing.